This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rashes, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c Welcome to this week's episode. I am so excited to welcome Mallory Whitmore. We are going to be talking about formula shaming and how we feel that that has led to overwhelming guilt for new moms. Mallory is a formula feeding mom of two, certified infant feeding technician, and founder of the Formula Mom on Instagram and a website, a wealth of information for formula feeding, which I think is not easy to come by. So thank you so much for joining me today, Mallory. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Tell me more about yourself and what brought you to do what you are doing today with the Formula Mom. Yeah, absolutely. So I have two kids, a little girl who's five and a half and a boy who's two and a half. And when I had my daughter in 2016, I like the majority of families in the U.S. here expected to breastfeed. I intended Mm -hmm. to breastfeed. I had taken a breastfeeding class looking back, I'm not sure I even really wanted to breastfeed so much as I felt like that was the obvious choice. Cause that's what, you know, quote unquote, good parents did. Yeah. And the experience that I had from the start was very difficult. Uh, she was early. I had gestational diabetes and my milk was delayed and she lost 12% body weight by day three. And it just was not working for us. So I switched from trying to nurse to exclusively pumping, which was even worse for my mm-hmm. mental health. And it became obvious really quickly that this was just not going to work for our family. It yeah. was not going to work to try to provide breast milk for this little girl, both for her health and her weight gain, but also for my mental health, which really devolved quickly into pretty severe postpartum depression. And so, you know, once I made the decision, okay, we're going to have to switch to formula, I was shocked and appalled that I couldn't find any high quality, supportive, judgment-free, research-backed resources Mm -hmm. about formula feeding. I mean, every resource that I found basically was like, oh, you're thinking about formula feeding? Don't do it. (laughs) Like, this is not not helpful at this point. And so uh, I spent a few years just sort of sitting on that. And then when I had my son, we decided to formula feed from the beginning with him. And I thought, okay, it's been almost three years. Certainly there's going to be better information now. And there still wasn't. And so since he was born, I've been on this mission to educate myself. And I went back to school and got certified. And I worked for a formula company for about a year and launched my platform to be that space for others that I needed just to provide information and support and education about formula feeding. Oh, this is so important. So, you know, my journey is very similar. And I don't think I've ever really talked about this detail, but I, like every pediatrician who's gone through education, 
was fed the breast is best mentality mm-hmm. in education. Okay. Right. And it was to a point where that's what I thought. And it's really poorly educated in medical school. And I'm going to be honest that I think we get good breastfeeding education, but not nearly as much as I think an IBCLC has, right? Oh, but yeah. We also don't get great formula education. Mm-hmm. So you're in the middle of, hey, breast is best, but you don't even know how to fully educate a mother on breastfeeding and everything that is or pumping, da, da, da. But mm-hmm. then you also don't know everything there is to know about formula in the training that we go through. It's through practice. It's through your right. own desire to learn. But what was told to me and what I believed for so long was that, yes, breast is best, breast, best, breast, breast, breast. I mm-hmm. went into it and I'm going to be very honest. There was bias and there was, you know, you go through and you see families and a mom is not breastfeeding. This is mm-hmm. when I first started my journey as a pediatrician. And I would be mm-hmm. like, why aren't you breastfeeding? Like I, in my head, before even having a child, when I first started out, because mm-hmm. of what was fed to me through training and through messaging, correct? Like, well, right. I was, I created my own bias and my own, like, well, you should be breastfeeding. Like, mm-hmm. why aren't you breastfeeding? Because I put it on a pedestal that right. was higher than formula feeding through my training. And then mm-hmm. it wasn't until I started to practice more, right? When I'm talking like yeah. I've been practicing for seven years that I started to see that, you know, formula feeding babies are obviously extremely healthy. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of that literature that goes behind breast is best doesn't always pan out in terms of this high superiority compared right. to formula feeding babies. They talk mm-hmm. about the high IQ and obesity. I'm like, I see tons of formula fed babies mm-hmm. who have high IQ, who are not yeah. obese. And already, why are we putting labels that these things are these awful things anyways? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the immune stuff, right? I see breastfed yep. babies coming in with ear infections, coming in with pneumonias, coming in with things that mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so the research quote unquote is telling me X, Y, and Z, but why is it in clinical practice? It's not mm-hmm. matching up to the research. And then I dived into the research. This is, uh-huh. um, you know, before even becoming a mom and I like looked into it and I'm like, look, breast is great. But then there's also an understanding that it's a big picture environment that we put in for yes. our child. Meaning, yes, I'm not going to deny that breast milk provides immunological components that are mm-hmm. really powerful and unique. But the amazing thing about formula is that they have created formulation, formula, mm-hmm. things that in a way, very closely mimic what you yeah. can get in breast milk. So absolutely, it's not, it's not a pedestal thing. It's, hey, breastfeeding is great, but formula mm-hmm. feeding is also a great option. It's kind of the messaging yes. that I want moms to feel because I don't want people to think then, well, why am I even breastfeeding? Obviously, mm-hmm. if it's what you want to do and if what you see is best. But like you said perfectly, this is about having a family have resources for feeding. You know, like you mm-hmm. didn't have those resources when right. um, you wanted a formula feed. I feel like a lot of moms don't have breastfeeding education that is not Mm -hmm. judgmental, meaning I feel like so many mothers, including myself when I was postpartum and could not for the life of me produce any colostrum because of my anxiety. I'm going to say flat out that my breast milk supply tank because my son was in the NICU. I was hooked up to so many wires, Mm -hmm. right? I did not want to smell his freaking like hat anymore. I wanted to right? So my breast milk supply tanked because of just the natural evolution of what happened to us postpartum, you know? Right. There's an understanding and I think a misconception that breastfeeding is quote unquote natural and easy. And it Mm -hmm. is not, number one. Number two, many women realize quickly that it's not for them. They realize Mm -hmm. that it's like, I'm tired. I am slipping into depression because of the breastfeeding. And I think from a pediatrician standpoint, I noticed parents who went there it's because they're worried about how much their baby's eating, their mm-hmm. production, the time, the lack of sleep. I mean, there's so many different right. reasons 
why a mom may choose to go towards formula or may Mm -hmm. choose to exclusively pump, but there needs to be more support in the mom, right? The mom, hey, what do you want? And then I look at all these babies who don't have a mother in terms of same-sex couples, adoption. They do formula and they're not batting an eyelash because we know (laughs) that formula is not this toxic thing that Mm -hmm. society has made it out to be. And it's sad. Like, it's really sad because I think that's where this shaming is coming from. Like, what do you think? Like, why do you think, and maybe if you did, let me know, why do you think we carry so much of this guilt when we choose to formula feed? Oh gosh, I think it's multifaceted. I try to be really honest about the history of formula marketing Mm -hmm. and formula companies, particularly Nestle in the 1970s, had really, really unethical marketing practices. Mm -hmm. And in large part, the breast is best movement was born out of trying to sort of right the ship Yes. After the marketing practices for formula companies in the 70s really did try to convince mothers that formula was better than breast milk. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, you know, 40 years later, 50 years later, I think the pendulum has swung too far in the other direction, right? Where now, you know, formula is better. Now breast milk is better. And we need to find some place that's really a nice middle ground. Mm-hmm. where it's not which is best, but it's what makes sense for your family and your situation. Yeah, I don't know. I think to be honest, some of the guilt comes from just on the whole, moms not knowing how to define themselves in mm-hmm. their new role as mother. I know for me, when my daughter was born, I felt this huge loss of identity. I felt really isolated. And it felt like if I could breastfeed, then at least I was part of something that I was part of a group that I had worth that that could be, you know, part of my identity as being a good mom or a new mom. And when that didn't happen, obviously that made my postpartum depression so much worse. But I think a lot of the guilt stems from that, from society and our collection of new moms wanting and needing to find some way to define ourselves outside of potentially work or outside of our peer groups or whatever else, because all of that shifts when we become new moms. Yes, I completely agree with that. I mean, that identity piece and that knowing what you want. And I just wish so many people before they became a mom, like rather than focusing on prepping their baby, you know, that's important too, right? Prepping for the baby. It's really about really reflecting on where are you getting these ideals from? Like for me, right? Like when I decided to formula feed, the guilt for me lasted about, I would say maybe under a week because um, Mm -hmm. I quickly realized how much happier I was by formula feeding. So I saw that, wow, I'm happy. So that Mm -hmm. means that my son is going to be happier. And I can't stress that enough. The mom or the primary caregiver's happiness, it transcends and emanates through the home. So Mm -hmm. if a new mom is feeling like tapped out from breastfeeding, hates it, and that mom is the only person who's going to know that, right? No one else can tell you how you're feeling with breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. And then if you feel like you have to do this because that's the only way that your baby's going to be healthy and that's the only way your baby's going to have good outcomes when we know that there are other ways like formula feeding, tube Mm -hmm. feeding, babies get fed other ways, um, then you're going to feel so much pressure that's going to take away that joy from you when you are actually trying to bond with your baby. And it's sad to me. And I have so many examples of when I really have to tell moms like, what are you doing to yourself right now? Look at like you are, Mm -hmm. you're going down a rabbit hole that I'm worried about you. 
Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with Factor Meals because they're ready in two minutes, no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious Factor Meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Are you looking for something different to entertain your kids? Check out a new podcast for children. Mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, is a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. Math is geared towards kids six and up, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. I love how the episodes are under 20 minutes, which was perfect for our drive to school. And my four-year-old really loved the episode, The Pirate Queen. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras' ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and so much more. New episodes drop every Thursday, and I love how engaging, funny, and educational the episodes are. Your kids won't even realize they're learning about math and problem solving. My son even said he wanted to finish the episode on our drive home from school. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I had a mom one time that was so adamant about breastfeeding, and I supported her. You know, This is before I became a lactation consultant. Like This was like <laughs> back in my old job so adamant. Her husband was like watching her spiral, right? Because it wasn't working for her. The production was an issue. The latch was an issue. She had a lactation consultant, but she was so fixated on not introducing formula because she Mm -hmm. had been told and viewed it as something negative and toxic that the baby was losing weight. And I said to mom, I'm like, mom, I want to get you back to breastfeeding. If that's your Mm -hmm. goal, that is my goal too. But we need something as a placeholder to get your baby back to get your baby back to breast or pumping because I don't mm-hmm. want you to lose your supply out of stress and I don't want the baby to wither away and cause yep. more medical issues. I mean, I can't tell you mm-hmm. the amount of medical issues I have seen from dehydrated babies whose mothers yep. refuse to give formula because they, mm-hmm. they look at it as toxic. She right. finally listened to me, gave the formula. We were able to get back her supply and she was able mm-hmm. to get back to breastfeeding. So that's amazing. If we are able to educate mothers that, hey, I'm not telling you that you have to formula feed your baby. I'm telling you that Mm -hmm. you are breastfeeding, but there are options when it's not working out initially that I can get you to a place where if that is your goal, but you need to revisit your goal and see what is this bringing me joy? Is this Mm -hmm. something I like to do? Like some women don't like it. And I respect that now. I absolutely respect that. Like when a mom Mm -hmm. comes in now and is like, I'm not breastfeeding. I'm like, I respect you. Enjoy the formula. Enjoy Uh it. Like, (laughs) Like I, yeah. I, I, you know, and I, it, that changed a lot in my, in the last mm-hmm. five years of how I practice. And I, I love that. I think it's opened up more conversations for moms. And it also has mm-hmm. been, I've seen better breastfeeding outcomes because of it. 
because yeah. I'm not vilifying formula. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, well, and something that you said that I think is so important is it does require that self-reflection, both in what are my goals? What are my values? What does success look like as it relates to feeding my baby, as well as why do I have the beliefs that I have about breastfeeding formula? Where did those beliefs come from? And then evaluating, are those trustworthy sources? Like yeah. if my beliefs about breastfeeding and formula are mostly from like keyboard lactivists on Instagram, mm-hmm. that's probably not a great source of information. And for me, a big piece of getting over the guilt was doing some of the high quality research, looking at the high quality research about what the benefits of breast milk actually are and what the, you know, quote unquote risks of formula feeding actually are and helping me understand that the narrative that I had been told from the internet, from some of my medical providers, from folks in my life about the superiority of breast milk and the, you know, poisonousness of formula was just not factually true. And it was really crucial for me to do that research and to learn things like, you know, you'll read the statistics and it'll say formula fed babies are twice as likely to get an ear infection. And that mm-hmm. feels terrible, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, I don't want my baby to be twice as likely to get an ear infection. But nobody tells you that that risk has increased from 2% to 4%. Right. Like your total risk is still very, very low, no matter how you feed. Yes, 4% is twice as much as 2%, but your baby still has a 96% chance that they're not going to get an ear infection no matter how you feed during the first year. And that's what I try to do a lot of on my page is help to put into perspective those messages that a lot of us see around feeding our baby, around our worth as it relates to feeding our baby, to help folks sort of unpack and then relearn, re-educate what's actually true. And I appreciate that that's what you do on your page, because I think, like you said, like there are keyboard lactivists that go on one extreme and then there's people Mm -hmm. who, you don't do this, but there's people who are so pro-formula that they become anti-breast. But it doesn't mean that I am a officially a IBCLC and I'm so excited for this opportunity because I feel like there needs to be more IBCLCs that understand the psychological impact of Mm -hmm. being anti-formula has on a new mom. Because if you tell a new mom, you have to breastfeed, you have to breastfeed and they can't and they dry up because of that stress, Mm -hmm. getting their milk supply back is nearly impossible versus, hey, we have this amazing option. I'm going to help you. Mm-hmm. And we're going to put the puzzle pieces together so that we can get your latch back, get your supply back, mm-hmm. get your pumping back if that's what you want to do. But it's that middle ground education that's going to support yeah. mothers, whatever they decide. And I appreciate that about your account because I've been following for a long time and mm-hmm. I love the way you don't ever bash mm-hmm. breastfeeding. It's never like, oh, well, what's the point? There is obviously yeah. benefits on mm-hmm. both sides. We know we wouldn't be telling people to breastfeed, but it's mm-hmm. not like this far superior thing that if you do not breastfeed, your child is going to end up with COVID. I mean, we're in the pandemic right now. And it's like the amount of DMs I get that, Hey doc, like, should I be giving my toddler my breast milk? I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, unless you're still breastfeeding them, give the breast milk. But are you thinking that you're going to stop this kid from getting COVID by giving them a sip of breast milk? That's not how it works. Mm -hmm. Like we have become so accustomed that being told that it boosts your immune system. But let me tell you, like, it's not a complete boost. They're, no. you're still susceptible to ear mm-hmm. infections. You're still susceptible to getting illnesses. Like, and I see right. it in clinical practice and mm-hmm. it goes back to environment. Is your child in childcare? Is your child yep. in a home with a lot of other siblings? Whether mm-hmm. you breastfeed or formula feed does not matter when your environment 
has germs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like Absolutely. I've seen it. I've seen, I mean, I mm-hmm. have kids who come in and it's like the formula fed kid is never sick, never sick. Mm-hmm. And then I have breastfed babies who start childcare and is sick like every other week. And why I get so upset is that then the mom feels so guilty. Why yep. is it not working? I was told that breastfeeding means that my child yep. would be this, that, or the other. You can't guarantee people those mm-hmm. things. That's Same not how it works. Food allergies. I hear that yes. all the time. Yes. I was told if I breastfed, my baby wasn't going to be allergic to peanuts. I was told if I breastfed that, you know, my baby would meet all their gross motor milestones or whatever. And I think you make a good point here, which is that all of the outcomes that we tend to want to ascribe to breast milk, whether it's IQ or obesity or illness or allergies or whatever, all of them are so multifactorial, yeah. right? Like if we're not looking at what is the IQ level of the parents? What is the education level of the parents? Does this baby have access to high quality medical care? Are the rest of their food that they're eating starting at six yes. months nutrient dense? You know, are their basic needs met? Is somebody reading to them daily? I mean, there's just so many factors that actually influence these outcomes. And it's, sad that so much of the time we distill all of that to this 2% of bioactive components in breast milk that formula doesn't have. Because truly, that's just not how development works. It's so multifactorial. Oh my gosh, I agree. I mean, the research also, again, I need to be clear here that we understand, and I definitely understand that there Mm -hmm. are benefits to the breastfeeding. Because I think, again, I want to reiterate that when people hear that you're supporting formula, then Mm -hmm. it means that you're anti-breast. That's not what that ever is, right? Yeah. But you have to understand that when the research comes out about breastfeeding, one of the biggest things that you mentioned is all the research about obesity, high IQ, and illnesses, Mm -hmm. correct? Those are your big three. Those big things that people worry if they introduce formula. But what they also don't look at the research, which I keep stressing to families, is socioeconomically Mm -hmm. an environment, like we mentioned. Unfortunately, and I think we'll see more of this now that a lot of higher, quote unquote, socioeconomic families are formula feeding their children, Mm -hmm. like because out of choice or they could not breastfeed and that was their choice. And I Mm -hmm. love that, is that you're going to see differences because if you compare children across all socioeconomic statuses of the same status, breast Mm -hmm. and formula, that will be the better study because you will see, because then those families probably have better access to childcare. Those families probably live in better living conditions. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. most of the research accounts for the fact that in literature and in um, the research studies, it used to be that most formula fed babies came from lower socioeconomic statuses. And then Mm -hmm. with that comes genetics of food allergies. With that comes genetics of other things that can be like Mm -hmm. obesity, other things like illness because of crowding Mm -hmm. living conditions, because of childcare access. I mean, we're not forgetting, like you said perfectly, the foods that you're introducing your child at six months, Mm -hmm. what the exposures you're giving them from a developmental aspect, going into that, the engagement that you give with your child. I will never believe that a food, whether it's formula, breast milk, Mm -hmm. or the foods that we eat is what makes a kid smarter. It's the environment that the child is growing up in. Mm -hmm. So if you're telling me that breast milk causes a high IQ, I mean, Mm -hmm. use common sense here. How can something we put into our body cause high IQ? It's Mm -hmm. genetic or it's the environmental experiences, Mm -hmm. the schooling. Yeah. yeah, I mean, sure. You want to have a high nutritious diet, da, da, da. It's not like, oh, this is it. This is what's going to give your kid the high IQ. Look at your family. Yeah. Well, and that's exactly what I was going to say. One of my favorite pieces of research that I point people to are sibling comparison studies. And when, you know, when researchers look at siblings where one was breastfed and one was formula fed, and generally all of the other factors have stayed the same, right? They're at 
They have the same parents with the same IQ, with the same educational status. They're in the same house. They're living in the same community. They're going to the same schools, whatever. We don't see any statistically significant advantages as it relates to Q or overall health outcomes for the sibling that was breastfed. And that to me is the biggest indicator that the factors that have historically been ascribed to breast milk benefit are actually related to other socioeconomic factors. This episode is brought to you by the New Mom Survival Guide, an online digital course and community created by me, Dr. Mona Amin. Using my experience as a board-certified pediatrician and mom, I created this course to guide you through your first year of motherhood. From the foundations of parenting, newborn feeding, sleep in the first year, introduction of solids, and understanding child behavior and development, I will be your guide and support you throughout this incredible journey. Make sure to visit pedsdoctalk.com and be one of the first to get your hands on this incredible resource created to support and empower you as you embark on the joyous path of parenthood. The purpose of this episode is to kind of explain that in that mm-hmm. I can't tell you, and I know you probably deal with it a lot too on your platform because you are educating about formula, is mm-hmm. how many people have felt so guilty about yeah. all of this just because of that narrative and the mm-hmm. studies that don't talk about the environment we give our kids, the environment that we provide, the resources, you know, there's so much more. And this is a bigger message from not just breastfeeding and formula. It's a bigger message to all things parenting. Mm -hmm. It's not the one thing that we do. It's not the toy that you buy. It's Mm -hmm. how are you utilizing it in a big picture on raising your child, you know? And it's sad to me. And I know you agree that the problem with this breast versus, you know, it shouldn't be versus. (laughs) I know so many people who do both. I know so many people who make a choice to not ever breastfeed or breastfeeding, they want to breastfeed till their child's five, whatever mm-hmm. it is, you need to be informed. And the problem when we shame mothers from the beginning of their journey, we don't give them hope at all. Meaning we, mm-hmm. from the beginning of the day they became a mom, we have created shame and guilt in their mind. And what does that do with their bond with that child? Now, yeah. every time they look at their child and their child gets sick, they blame themselves. Their mm-hmm. child doesn't meet a milestone. They blame themselves. The child gets X, Y, and Z. They blame themselves. That's not how health works. Mm-hmm. And that I want parents to drop that guilt and say, hey, look, I am yeah. doing the best with my resources. Mm-hmm. I am a pro breastfeeding pediatrician who happily formula fed my son. And I mm-hmm. will never look back and regret that decision. This kid is thriving. He even yeah. had a stroke. And I, Mm -hmm. for a part of me, like I went through like, well, I felt a little guilty for that week of, well, breastfeeding will provide him this extra boost because I was fed that, right? Right. No, 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 no. He had a stroke. So I knew that what he needed was the environment. He needed enriching Mm -hmm. activities. He needed a mother who loved him, a mother Mm -hmm. who was present. And the best way that I could be present for my son was to not be attached to a pump and to not Mm -hmm. breastfeed. And it allowed me to be more available to him. And that availability is what I think mothers need to remember that mm-hmm. mental ability, like if this is the reason breastfeeding or whatever, the reason, whatever is that you're not able to connect with your child. I need mm-hmm. you to get the resources you need, whether that's lactation consultant, whether that's formula education, whether it's sleep training, whatever yes. it is so that you can better connect with yourself and your baby, because mm-hmm. there is always an answer. I mean, there is always mm-hmm. a solution. I don't think parents yep. like get that. And you have to let go, like you said earlier, of that expectation of, well, I have to do it this way. Do you really mm-hmm. have to do it this way? Or were you fed that narrative? And that's why you feel that way. You know, yeah. you need to do what's best for you, whether that's breastfeeding till your child is however old, 
or whether mm -hmm. it's formula feeding from the day that baby opens their eyes. You know, yeah. it's so important to change that narrative for moms. Well, and I always encourage parents too that the judgment and the shaming and the disapproval of your parenting choices, unfortunately, does not stop with feeding. It continues. And learning how to strengthen that muscle early on to say, no, this is what's right for me. This is what's right for my baby. I am the parent. I can make a good choice for my baby based on the circumstances of our life. Learning how to do that early on with feeding benefits you so much in the long run. And yeah. so it's difficult. It's difficult for a lot of families to do, especially, you know, if your in-laws have input or your extended family has input or the grandmothers or whatever, everybody has something to say, but learning early on to say, this is the choice I'm making for my baby. I'm not going to justify it. I feel good about it. Gosh, that's such an important skill. And it makes the rest of your parenting going forward so much easier. <laughs> so much easier. Yes. Oh, like you said, just start so downstream. Like, I mean, and, and mm -hmm. the reason why I'm so passionate about this is exactly what we said is that this is the first major decision that you yep. said that you have to own as a mother, you know, and, mm -hmm. and you have to own and say, I made this decision. And I'm sure people have asked you, like, why do you feel so at peace with these decisions you make? And I mm -hmm. tell all my followers, I'm like, I am so at peace with the decisions because I am a pediatrician. I am very informed, but it's not even just that I'm a pediatrician. I have a lot of insight mm -hmm. and open-mindedness to the other side. Like I know right. that middle ground approach that says, okay, I am making this decision because I made the best decision for the information and resources I have as a mother, not sure. what you have, not what someone else has. And I made that mm -hmm. decision. That decision may change as things evolve or you learn new things, but this is what I'm making and I own mm -hmm. it. And when you start to own it and you start to feel like, oh yeah, this was something I love to do and I see the benefits and you will, like anyone who's like mm -hmm. listening to this that is formula feeding their baby and feels super guilty you are not going to even blink when in five years no, you're, not you're playing all. on the playground and you will not know the difference between a child who was formula fed and breastfed. Mm -mm. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, 
tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I want, you know, that motto of if it won't matter in five years, don't spend more than mm-hmm. five hours thinking about it. I say five minutes, but five hours. Like, yeah. I want you to really reframe and say, in the long run, I mm-hmm. see formula fed babies thrive. I do. Yeah. I mean, I would not be on this podcast like talking about this if it wasn't the case. I see mm-hmm. it in my office. I see them. And it comes yeah. down to that big picture, like you said. And it really comes down to that mother or parent deciding, mm-hmm. how am I going to navigate this for my entire parenting journey? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And so what you mentioned specifically about owning it, I think has an additional benefit, which is that when we decide we're going to own it, we're not going to apologize for it. We're not going to feel bad about it. That gives others in our circle the permission to do the same. And I think Correct. a lot of formula guilt comes from feeling isolated because it can be in some communities so hush hush. No one talks about it because no one wants to feel judged or shamed. Everybody's hiding the fact that they're using formula because they don't want to come off a certain way. And then that perpetuates this stigma that formula is something to be ashamed about. When we own it, when we talk about it, then it gives other people permission to say, as a mom, my needs and my beliefs and my feelings matter too. And this is what works for me, which you know, as you mentioned, is always going to benefit the baby. And so I always encourage folks to think about, you know, yes, do this for yourself and your family in terms of owning it, but also know that when you own it, you're helping other moms to not feel the way that you felt. And this goes into like, I think, you know, we talk about formula, breastfeeding, we talk about any decisions we make as moms, but the vulnerability and transparency in motherhood, especially on social media Mm -hmm. is so important. I mean, I think about mental health struggles. I think about, um, you know, you talked about how it affected your mental health. I don't think people Mm -hmm. understand that. Like I posted about that and a man, like a husband Mm -hmm. of one of my followers was like, doc, can you explain more about how breastfeeding can impact a mom's mental health? Because I'm seeing Mm -hmm. that happen with my wife. And I was like, this is such an important concept that it's for some women, that stress of not producing that stress of not sleeping, all of that, it compounds. and, And for some women, Mm -hmm. The solution is formula. And I love that. I love that they made a choice, but it really comes down to owning it, the vulnerability and really the the judgment stopping. Like I will not Mm -hmm. tolerate judgment. I mean, I've had so many people like still, I'm sure, I don't know if you get it on your Mm -hmm. comments. I'm like, you know, you all know that where I stand, like you can come here and troll all you want, but you're Mm -hmm. never going to sway me because what we're saying, me and you are Mm -hmm. extremely middle ground in that you, you are trying to help mothers, help fathers, help people get educated on feeding and the opportunities and just have informed decision-making. Mm-hmm. But to say things are superior, to say that, well, I'm better than you because I did X, Y, and Z. That's not how motherhood works. I'm better mm-hmm. for my child. What I do as a mom for my son, I think is great for my son, but that doesn't mean that right. just because I did it for my son, that I assume that everyone else has to do what I did mm-hmm. because that's what's best for you. You know? Right. It's so it's tough. It's so tough. So much of it is, I think, a privilege issue. Mm-hmm. When we assume that what I am able to do for my kids is what's right for everybody else, it assumes that everybody else has the ability and resources to do what we do. Right. You know, so when people come in my comments and they say, oh, formula feeding is selfish, 
Oh gosh. You know, for me, I'm like that. I am so happy for you that you were able to breastfeed. I am so glad that that worked for you, but were you able to stay home or did you have to go back to work in two weeks? Were you able to afford a lactation consultant? Do you have a partner that helps at night? Do you have other children who are out because of COVID and you've got four kids you're trying to homeschool virtual learning? Like there are just, you know, maybe your baby didn't have a tongue tie or maybe you don't have low supply. There are so many factors that influence whether, not even whether a mom's able to breastfeed or not, but how a mom ends up feeding that it's, to me, it's such a privileged position to say, well, every mom should just do it this way because not every mom has the same resources and the same context that they're trying to feed within. Oh, this is so good. I completely agree with that. And that is where I think a lot of the shaming comes. And that's where I just feel so frustrated. I feel so frustrated for a lot of women on social media that are consuming content because Mm -hmm. I know, and I think you know, that you've reached a level of insight to understand the big picture parenting, the big things that we're doing. It hurts me. Like I almost get emotional thinking about it. It pains me when I feel such sadness for these mothers. Like I hear their guilt. I hear their Mm -hmm. shame. I hear that sort of, I failed my child. I'm like, let's talk about that. Let's talk about why we think you failed. And Mm -hmm. I reframe it. And even if it's not even just talking about this, let's say it is something that was kind of caused by a parent, meaning an injury where a child Mm -hmm. rolled off of a bed. And yes, we know that you shouldn't put your child on the bed. Okay. Yes, that Mm -hmm. all exists. But what is the point of saying, well, you should have done this. You should have done this. Let's focus Mm -hmm. on what we're going to do now and show some damn compassion. I mean, the lack of compassion, what you said perfectly to understanding that everyone's resources is unique and everyone's access to what they have. Like you said, are they homeschooling? Do they have Mm -hmm. a supportive partner? I have seen this happen in the pandemic. Where are the freaking lactation consultants? Like they've all disappeared. I know. They've all disappeared and they're not doing in-person sessions. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, in a pandemic, an in-person session trumps COVID risk. Yeah. Like, I mean, and it's all these stupid rules that are greatly impacting. Mm -hmm. And then we don't even think about our general healthcare system and general work-life balance that has pushed breastfeeding but does Mm -hmm. not support moms to be able to go back to work and have safe pumping guidelines, no paid Mm -hmm. maternity leave. I mean, we have created a society that's telling moms breastfeed, 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 but we are not Mm going to support you in breastfeeding. You figure it out on your own. There is no framework, especially for working moms to actually breastfeed successfully. Absolutely none. The amount of mothers that have told me that, hey, I'm going back to work, so I'm expecting to formula feed breaks Mm -hmm. my heart. Not because I'm, again, against formula, pro breastfeeding, doesn't matter. It's because I feel so sad that if their dream was to breastfeed and I Mm -hmm. want to support their dream, I want to do whatever I can to support your dream of how you want to feed your baby, but also respect your mental health and respect Mm -hmm. your resources. But at some point to know that they may not have the time to pump because their employer Mm -hmm. says that they'll support, but they don't. And I have experienced this myself is that it is so heartbreaking to me. Like Mm -hmm. it's not right. And it's a bigger system, 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 systemic, systemic issue, if you (laughs) will, sorry, so passionate about this, Mm -hmm. that people don't get. Like, Mm -hmm. I love that you're at home and that you got a year off and that you're a stay-at-home mom and that you are able to do it. But some Mm -hmm. stay-at-home moms don't like breastfeeding. Some stay-at-home moms, like people don't get that everyone's choices can be so unique. And if it's not affecting you, this Mm -hmm. does not have any impact on your life. Whether your friend breastfed or formula fed their son has Mm -hmm. no impact on you. So why does it matter? Like, why does it matter? Like, just let a family decide what they want to do. It's like their choice, you know? Yeah. 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 
The only thing that, I mean, we're not even talking about this. The only thing that matters in any parenting choice is vaccination, because if you don't vaccinate your kid, you're, you know, it's transmissible diseases. Yeah, that does impact everybody else. That is the only, only decision. And I'm going to say parenting decision that affects other people. Everything else, Mm -hmm. just raise a kind kid, feed your kid. And if you don't want to sleep train, whatever, I don't care. Just Mm -hmm. don't guilt shame or shame other mothers for doing things where that does not impact you at all. Right. No, oh, I completely Lord. agree. Oh my God. <laughs> oh man. This is so great, Mallory. I am just so grateful. I know you've given so many great motivating pearls, but what would be your final, you know, uplifting message for everyone listening today? Oh gosh, I feel like I have so many, but generally speaking, just the knowledge that when you become a mother, your experiences, your values, what is important to you and your identity itself does not become meaningless. So many of the people that I talk to, especially through Instagram, will say, I hate breastfeeding, or this is painful for me, or my mental health is tanking, but I have to prioritize my baby's needs over myself. Mm. And what I want to tell parents is that number one, that's not sustainable. That is not sustainable. And number two, you cannot be a good parent unless you're taking care of yourself as well. You know, like they say, put on your own oxygen mask before you help your baby when you're flying on a plane. And so, you know, I just, I see so many people who are so convinced of the benefits of breast milk that it is costing their family so much more. They're losing so much. And, you know, the balance of that is so off kilter, right? They're getting these small benefits of breast milk, but they're having these huge detriments from their depression or their pain or being disengaged or disassociated. And so I guess my biggest thing is just encouraging moms that it is important. Your experience of feeding your baby is important. Your enjoyment of feeding your baby is important because that's going to impact your overall relationship with your baby, which is going to impact the health of your baby so much more than what you're feeding them. Absolutely. You know, I've said this before, but I rather have a mom formula feed their baby and feel connected and emotionally bonded with their baby than a mom who is tapped out from breastfeeding and hates it and just despises the act like completely. And I've seen this happen. Mm -hmm. That is not creating a bond. You're not bonding with your baby and being present with them in these moments of cooing and, you know, interaction when you Mm -hmm. hate it. And you don't have to hate, like, there are options out there. If you hate it, we have options. Do you want to pump? If you don't like pumping, I understand. Do you want to go to formula? But you have to reframe and ask yourself, what are my goals? And when you ask yourself and answer that question, you also have to tell yourself, can I and will I be flexible with my goals? Because that is what brings joy as a mother. Anything you do, you can't just be so rigid and say, well, I'm going to sleep train and I'm going to feed Mm -hmm. my baby this and I'm going to do baby led weaning and I'm going to do this because what happens is our babies and children are not robots and they may (laughs) not take to what you want to do. And then now your Mm -hmm. expectations are not meeting reality and that leads to guilt and that leads to feeling like a shitty mom. And you're not Mm -hmm. a shitty mom. You're not like you're just a mom who's learning and your baby's learning too. Yep. That's another of my little gems that I give to especially expecting parents is to write all of your plans in pencil. Yeah. Give yourself so much grace and be open to changing your mind when the circumstances of your situation evolve and demand a different outcome. I think so much of the guilt, even the postpartum depression, can come from trying to fit 
a round peg into a square hole because we mm-hmm. get stuck on this idea of what our motherhood's going to look like, what a perfect mom looks like. And when our experiences don't line up, that disconnect really is really damaging. So yeah, absolutely. Especially for folks who are just entering parenthood, learning early on to sort of hold everything with an open hand, to have your plans, but being willing to adjust. So, so important. Mallory, thank you so much for joining me today. We could talk for another four hours, but you know, I'll <laughs> save everyone. I think people got the point of what we're trying to, yes, trying to say on this episode. But where can people find you? You know, tell me more about the resources you have out there for the world and the community here. Absolutely. So I am on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at the Formula Mom. And my website is theformulamom.com. And I have a bunch of free and paid resources all around formula feeding. So I have a handbook if you're just getting started and you want bottle feeding basics. I have a formula finder tool if you want to start using formula and you're not sure which type of formula might work best for your baby. And then I also have an index, which is basically a, what's the word? I can't think of it. An index is the word, I guess, of all of the formulas on the market. Wonderful. Features of each one. Oh, and I will put these all on my show notes. And again, I want to really thank you and appreciate you for coming on this amazing, I hope empowering episode for so many listening, because I know so many mothers are formula feeding their babies and feel guilty about it. And I hope you can overcome that guilt and reframe how you feed your baby. Thanks again for joining me today, Mallory. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at Pete's Doc Talk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pete's Doc Talk TV. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.